Hey, welcome to the Northside Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this message today. Our prayer is that this message inspires you, encourages you, uplifts you, maybe even convicts you a little bit with the help of the Holy Spirit. We're grateful that you're joining us here on our podcast. We want to ask that you would real quickly just subscribe to this channel so that you could be notified when new messages go up every week and be looking out for new content in the new coming year of 2023 here on our Northside Church podcast. Enjoy the message. There, If you have a copy of God's word, Psalm 119, he took me here and then he took me to a very specific spot in this text that I'm excited to speak on today. Psalm 119 is the longest psalm, by the way, of the entire book. And if you open your Bible to Psalm 119, you notice these little breaks and these little sections where there's a small title above each section with a little weird word, each one. Psalm 119 is broken up by sections according to the Hebrew alphabet. So the Hebrew alphabet, the psalmist here, which is not necessarily David, by the way. We don't know who wrote this, so it's not technically a psalm of David, but that's okay. But he took each letter of the Hebrew alphabet and broke this psalm down into a section per letter. Well, today we're going to be in the second letter where it says Beth right there in verses 9 through 16. So if you do have a copy of God's word, I want you to read this with us together. If you are there in your Bible, say amen. Let's read this. Psalm 119, starting at verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? How can a young person keep their way pure? Here's the answer. By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up or I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. Wow. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes and I will not forget your word. May God bless the reading of his word. Amen. The emphasis on this text is the vital ministry of God's word in the inner spiritual life of a young person. How do we know this? Well, by the leading question in verse 9. How could a young person, how could a young man, how could a young woman keep their way pure? So following that question, the psalmist is laying out for us how important it is and how vital God's word is to the inner spiritual well-being of young people. Now today, again, is a very special day here at our church in We are honoring our young people, some of our young people in our church who have graduated high school this week. We're honoring them, recognizing them, but, but, this message is a message for all of us in this room today. It is. 
just because you're here and you're wiser than some of the others. It's a good word, right? Wiser. Hey, listen, the Bible says that one who has gray hair is, is lived the life of godliness, okay? I don't know why I said that. But this message is a message for all of us today, okay? I don't want us to tune ourselves out of this thinking that this is a message just for young people. This is a message for everyone in this room today. God's word plays a vital part of everyone's inner spiritual well-being. One thing that we hope that you understand very quickly about this church, about Northside Church, is that we hold God's word above everything else we say or do. God's word is the authority in this house. Dad has no authority in this house. I have no authority in this house. The authority of this house is God's word. By God's word, he created everything. He established everything. He rules everything according to his word. So in this house... We will serve the Lord and we will serve him according to his word. We are all about the Bible here. As a matter of fact, our gift to our graduating seniors every single year is the same gift every year. It's a Bible. Why do we give them a Bible? What kind of gift is that? Why don't you give them a gift card, you know, to a restaurant that they'll eat at? Why don't you give them money? Why don't you give them a basket full of goodies? Because the Bible is the greatest gift you can ever give someone. God's word is the greatest gift other than Christ himself that God ever gave humanity. Greatest gift. We hold the word of God every day. God's word is so beautiful. It's so pure. It's so holy. Why would you not want to read it? Why would you not want to open it? Why would you not want your child to have it in their hands and in their bags and in their school desk with them every day? Why would you not want to open it and peer into the corners and the hallways and the doors of heaven to the throne room of our God. It's all in his word. The writer of this psalm is helping the reader have a high view of scripture. You cannot have a high view of God if you do not have a high view of his word. You cannot. You cannot have a high view of God. You cannot know God correctly if you do not know his word. The writer of this psalm used eight different words to describe the scriptures in our text. Did you notice it? Eight different words he used to describe the scriptures. He called it the law. He called it God's testimony, God's precept, his statutes, his commandment, his rules, his word, and his promise. He has a very high view of scripture. We must in this church, and you young people must have a high view of scripture in order to have a high view of God. Notice that the writer's love for God is being eloquently spoken through his love for his word. You can tell how much a person loves God by how much they love his word. The word of God performs many wonderful ministries in the life of a devoted believer. The word of God keeps us clean, purifies us. It gives us joy. It guides us. It establishes our values as an individual and it establishes our values as a family. It establishes our values as a church. A church on sound, with sound doctrine is a church that has a high view of God's word. A church that is 
teetering and tottering with its doctrine and with its values is a church that does not have a high view of God's word. The word helps us to pray effectively, pray properly. The word gives us hope, gives us peace, gives us freedom. Our circumstances may change, but the word of the Lord remains the same forever. No matter what life looks like for you this morning, you can know one thing. God's word is true and God's word is firm. God's word has never been changed by anyone's circumstances. We face so many different things. We face so many different obstacles, opportunities, and everyone in this room, no matter what you're facing, no matter how different life looks, we can all go to God's word and rely on God's word to be our truth, to be our peace, to be our guide, to be our help. So the writer begins this section with such an important question. How can a young person keep their way pure? Such a fitting question for the ones that we're honoring today, but also such a valuable question that all people should be asking. How can I keep my way pure? How can I... As a husband, keep my way pure. How can I as a wife keep my way pure? How can I as a young person keep my way pure? How can I as a grandparent keep my way pure? How can I as a business owner keep my way pure? How can I as a friend keep my way pure? How can I as a child of God keep my way pure? Such a fitting question. How shall I? And the word is very interesting that the writer used. How can a young man keep? Very interesting word. Very interesting word. It means to, how do I get right now and then stay right from this point on? And that's good news because God gives us hope today and God gives us a promise today that it's not too late for you. You can still be made right now. And then when you are made right now, there is hope that you can stay right forever. How can a young person get right now and keep right no nobler ambition can lie before a young person to live a pure and holy life what is God's calling over every individual's life to live a holy and pure life people ask so often seeking what has God called me to do what is God calling me to do it's very simple he's called you to be holy as he is holy he's called you to live pure he's called you to live in righteousness the son the son that sets you free jesus christ imputed righteousness unto you live holy as he is holy live righteous as he is righteous that's our calling it's very simple our world tells us to go our own way our world tells us to do things our own way especially at the stage that these young people are in This is the pivotal moment of your life where your way is the way to go. Do things your way. Go your own way. It sounds pretty. It sounds nice. It sounds very Hallmarky. Sounds very Disney Channel. But Proverbs 14:12 says that there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. We cannot go our own way. We cannot do things our own way. We cannot keep our own way. Our way is a subject that concerns us deeply. Among all the questions which a young person asks, let this be the first. How can I keep my way pure? Listen, church, God alone can cleanse the heart. God alone can cleanse the heart. And he does so 
through the agency of his word. How can I have my heart purified? How can I have my heart clean? You first must go through the word of God. And when you read the word of God, the spirit of God moves in your heart and purifies your heart. God's word is the agency by which he cleanses the heart. He says, with my whole heart I seek you. I'm guarding, your, I'm guarding my heart with your word. In order to live a holy life, we must give ourselves to God's word. Learning it and living by it. It cannot just be a side table decoration. It cannot be something that we plaster over our life to give the appearance of godliness and give the appearance of holiness. But it must be the book that we study and live by every day. And when should we start? When should I devote my life to studying God's word and living according to God's word? Well, the world has its answer. The world says to young people, have your fling when you're young. Go have fun now. This is the time of your life. You've been living at home for 18 years being told what to do and how to do it. Now go out and do things your way. Go out and do whatever you want to do. And then when you're older, settle down into religion. When you're older, devote yourself to church. Devote yourself to God's word after you've had your fun. That's what the world says. God's answer is quite different. God says, if you're going to live for me, you must begin at the earliest possible moment. Do you know all the heroes of the faith? All the heroes of the Bible that we read all these stories about. David. You read about David. You read about um, Samson. You read about um, who? You read about all these young, amazing Joshua. You read about Daniel. You read about the prophets. You read about the disciples. You know what's very interesting about all these individuals? They were teenagers when God chose them and God used them. They were young people. When David slayed Goliath, it was believed that he was 14 years old. He's not even a middle schooler yet. When God sent an angel to speak to Mary, she was believed to be 13, 14 years old. The world says, go have fun while you're young. Go do the thing now while you're young. Why? Because the devil knows if God can get you when you're young, he's got you when you're old. Why is it so important to have my family and my children in church? Because the devil's after the next generation. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. If you aren't willing to live for God while you're young, you probably will not live for him when you're old either. Young people, listen. The Bible must be your chart. And you must exercise great watchfulness that your way may be in accordance to its directions. The Bible must be your guide. The Bible must be your lens for how you view the world. Everything you see going on around you should be filtered through this right here. Everything that you look at and everything that you see should be seen through the lens and through the canon of Scripture, through God's Word. It should be your voice. Think about that, God's Word, your voice. 
God's word, your voice. Sometimes when you guys leave here in a couple of months and go wherever you guys are going, there are people that you will encounter, there are people who you will meet who have never laid eyes on the word of God, but they will hear it for the first time when they hear your voice. The word of God's gotta be your foundation. Everything you build your life upon must be built upon the word of God. Every step you take must be guided by the word of God. It must be your map. It must consume your thoughts. It must be the first thing you read in the morning and the last thing you lay your eyes on before you close them at night to go to sleep. It must season your tongue so that his words are on your words. You know, Jesus talked about two ways that a person always travels in life. He talked about a wide way, and he talked about a narrow way. He said that there are many on, the, on this wide, broad way. They're going their own way. They're doing things their own way. They're doing things according to the world's ways. Jesus said that there are many on this way. And this way leads to death, to destruction. Proverbs 14. There's a way that seems right to a person, but its end is the way to death. And then Jesus talked about another way, a narrow way, a more difficult way, a more sacrificing way, a way that requires us to let go of our ways. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And let me just say this to you. The narrow way was never hit upon by chance. People don't find the narrow way by accident. Neither did any heedless men ever lead a holy life. How does one find himself on the narrow way that leads to life? He allows the word of God to lead him there. He allows the word of God to guide him there. He allows the word of God to keep him there, her there. The writer says in verse 10, with my whole heart I seek you. With my whole heart, I seek you. Young people, we need a heart that seeks God. You need a heart that seeks God. Listen, if your heart is seeking God, your feet will not stray from God. You need to hear that, adults. If your heart is seeking God, your feet will not wander away from God. Such a heart will see God in all of life. Such a heart will learn more about him every day. Such a heart will have fellowship with God all the days of their life. Such a heart will glorify God in everything that they do and everything that they say. Such a heart will experience heaven on earth every day of their life. Such a heart that seeks God with everything that's in them. With my whole heart, God, I seek you. What did Jesus tell his disciples on the, on the, on the hillside? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. The writer of this psalm not only desired to know God's word, but to also commune with God himself. Listen, the surest mode of cleansing the way of your life is to seek after God. You're here this morning and you say, I'm lost, I'm wandering, I'm Drifting, the, the winds of this life are tossing me to and fro and I have nowhere to go. I don't know where to begin. I need a cleansing. 
My friend, the answer this morning is to seek God with your whole heart and begin by going to his word. The more that a person's whole heart is set upon holiness, the more do they dread to fall into habitual sin. We are to be such wholehearted seekers that we have no time or no will to be wanderers away from the things of God. Look at verse 11. He says, I have stored up your word. Some translation says, I have hid your word. I have stored up your word or I have hid your word in my heart. Storing or hiding God's word in our hearts means not to just read it. It means to study it. Even memorize it. Study to show yourself approved. Don't just read it. Study it. Memorize it. Store it up into your heart. Store it in your mind. Listen, your heart is kept by the word because you keep the word in your heart. Simple. We do this, the writer says, that we may not sin against God. When Jesus was tempted by Satan in the wilderness, we're familiar with the story. When Jesus fasted for 40 days and he fasted for 40 nights, when he was alone in the wilderness, Satan shows up and begins to tempt Jesus with lies. And listen, young people, listen, guys. I've taught you this many, many years. When you guys go away from home, when you were on your own for the first time, Satan will be there waiting for you. And the first thing he'll do is feed you full of lies. But he'll, he'll, he will paint the prettiest picture for you. It's going to feel good. It's going to look good. It's going to sound good. He may even give you empty promises. That's what he did with Jesus. And how did Jesus overcome t- temptation? Jesus overcame the temptation by quoting and combating with memorized scripture. When Satan said, hey, why don't you do this? Jesus said, it is written. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Jesus said, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by the word of God. So young people, equip yourself now. People, equip yourself now for when Satan turns the corner on Monday. You can stand and say, it is written. And overcome temptation with the help of God's word and the help of his Holy Spirit. Why do our children that are in Kidside right now, sitting in those rooms, being taught memory verses, our toddlers, our Babies, our little ones, who can just, at the drop of a hat, could just quote scripture like no one's business. I don't know if you've ever heard our kids at this church quote scripture, but they're pretty good at it. They are. And that's not a testimony to our teachers necessarily. That's a testimony to God's presence being in this house and us having a high view of God's word. But why do we do that with them? Why do we help our kids memorize scripture? And kids side, why on Wednesday nights here in youth, why do we preach sermons instead of play games and 
Just hang out with one another. Guys, on Wednesday nights, we preach in here. These kids have their Bibles and they have their notebooks and we're studying God's word. We're not in here having a good time necessarily. We're having a good time with God's word, but we're not in here playing games and having pizza parties and jumping across chairs. We used to, then I got convicted about it. God said, that's not what this house is for. God says, that's what Satan wants you to do with your children. But why on Wednesdays do we study God's word together? It's so that when Satan comes against your children, they can stand firm on the word of God and from their hearts and from their mouths, they can declare it is written. It's so that when our children go out into the world, they can look at the world and look at Satan and says, he that is in me is greater than he who is in the world. We don't have time to neglect the Bible, church. We don't have time to neglect Bible teaching. And we don't have time to water down the gospel in order to be politically correct. There's no time for that. We are discipling men and women who are facing temptation every day. You know, the Bible calls the word of God a sword. And when you water down the gospel, when a pastor waters down the gospel... What he's doing is he's taking the sword out of the church's hands and he's giving them a water gun. You ever tried to fight hell with a water gun? You ain't going to get very far. But God says, I didn't give you a water gun. I gave you a sword. A sword that cuts. A sword that pierces. A sword that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. We don't have time to water down the gospel. We don't have time to neglect Bible teaching. We don't have time to be politically correct. We are discipling young men and young women who are facing temptation every day. We are equipping the saints who are walking out into the world every day and facing the enemy. The writer of this psalm is obviously writing primarily to the young, so it's no surprise to find him ending our passage with four points of very Simple, practical exercises to help us master scripture. Can I just say real quick, you should be a student of the Bible all the days of your life. You should be a student of the God's word every day of your life. You should hunger for it. Thirst for it. Four very practical points that the writer gives to help us master scripture. The first one he says, right there in verse 13. He says, with my lips I declare... All the rules of your mouth. Listen, one of the best ways to learn anything is to verbalize it and teach it to others. Martin Luther observed that some people speak God's word, but they do not have it in their hearts. While others have it in their hearts, but are afraid to speak it for fear of losing their friends and making enemies. We cannot be either. He said, it is not enough to believe with the heart unto righteousness unless confession unto salvation is made with the mouth. You can back that up with scripture in Romans 10, chapter chapter 10, verse 10. The second thing the writer does to give us a practical exercise to help us master scripture is he says, I will rejoice in following your statutes. One good way to learn and retain God's word is to rejoice in it. 
Rejoicing in God's word can be done in a lot of ways. One very excellent way is to be joyful um, in worship in regular church services. Do not neglect the assembling, the assembly of the gathering and the together of the saints. Listen, young people, when you guys leave here in a couple months, in a couple weeks, when you go off, the first thing you should do is find a church. Get moved into your dorms. Then go find a church. Don't go looking for friends. You can find friends at church. Get plugged into a church. Listen, parents, keep your kids in church. Keep yourself in church. Do not turn away from the teaching and the preaching of God's word. The third thing that he helps us with the practical way to master scripture, he says, I will meditate on your precepts. It's an interesting word, meditate. Meditation is recalling what we have already memorized in our hearts and in our minds and then turning it over in our minds to see the fullest implications of that truth. I'll be trans- very transparent and vulnerable with you. Um, a couple years ago, I started seeing a counselor after some personal trauma that I had been through with my health and started seeing a counselor and it was this old retired minister who was just phenomenally brilliant and just amazing. Very calm disposition. And he asked me, he said, Aaron, do you study God's word every day? I said, I do. Yes, sir. He said, do you meditate on it? And I said, no. He said, why not? He said, you commanded to in his word, to meditate on his word. He said, Aaron, do you know what Psalms 23 says? I said, yes, sir. He said, have you ever sat in a room by yourself with your eyes closed with no sound and just closed your eyes and imagined everything that Psalms 23 says and just picture it in your mind? Have you ever imagined yourself in the valley and Jesus leading you through the valley? Have you ever imagined yourself in a green pasture with the Lord as he sits beside you, beside you, beside the still waters? Have you ever imagined, ever imagined all the enemies surround you and then Jesus and you are together and he's just preparing a table for you in the presence of your enemies? Changed my life. Meditate on God's word. Fourth one he gives us. I will delight in your statutes. I will not neglect your word, God. We must be determined to not allow the pressing matters of life to crowd out the study of God's word. I don't have time to study God's word. That's not an excuse. You make time. God's word, it's just, you know, study, Bible study is just an, an inconvenience. I'm tired. Not an excuse. The I will here, I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget. The I will here is, is in future tense, meaning that the writer is passing from what he has done in the past, and he is determined to make Studying God's word, a habit from now on. The story goes that there was a young soldier in the army in World War I. Very young kid. His mom and dad raised him in church his whole life. He was in the army, sent overseas to fight in the war. And the group that he was stationed with and that he was sent with were older than him. And this young kid, every day during training, every day during deployment, every day at base camp, every day would read his Bible as often as he could. And the guys that he was serving with would give him a hard time for it. 
why are you doing that? Why are you wasting your time? It's a fairy tale book. It's made up of stories that aren't true and, you know, it's fictional. And why do you spend so much time reading God's word when you should be spending your time doing productive things? And his answer never changed. He always says it's leading me home. Why do you read God's word? Because it's leading me home, he said. They go out to battle. The young kid is shot. They bring him back to camp, to the medical tent. And the only thing he's asking for is his Bible. Can someone bring me my Bible? Can someone please bring me my Bible? Bring me my Bible, please. Please bring me my Bible. They bring him his Bible, one of the guys who was in camp with him. He grabs the Bible. He looks at the man who he has just gone into battle with many, many times. And he gives that man his Bible. He says, you need this now because I'm going home. And you need to know how to get home. The young man dies. His sergeant takes the kid's Bible and he's brought back home. The war is over. He sort of just left the Bible kind of there. One day he decides to pick it up. He starts reading it. He likes what he sees. It's interesting. The next day he picks it up. He reads it again. He doesn't like what he sees. The next day he picks it up, he reads it again, and he starts to feel something stirring in his heart. He decides to go to church in a town that he grew up in. He takes the Bible with him. He goes to church. The preacher's preaching a message. Has everyone open their Bibles just like we do. The man opens his word, and after the sermon, he said, for the first time in my life, I heard a voice calling me home. I heard a voice that was calling my name, a voice that was unlike any other voice, a still small voice, the voice of God calling me, drawing me unto salvation. The man gave his life to Christ. The man spent the rest of his life reading the Bible every day. People would ask him, why do you read the Bible? Because I got to know the way home. The word of God says that this world is not your home. This world is not our home. Why do we read the Bible every day? Why do we study the Bible? Why do we memorize the Bible? Because we've got to know the way home. A home that is beyond this world. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. Today, the charge is loud and clear. Do not neglect God's word in this critical time in your life. Consume as much of it as you can each day. Commit to not just knowing the Bible, but knowing the author of the Bible. Let it be the first words you read at the beginning of every day. Let it be the last words you read at the end of every day. The word of God is such a gift. It's a privilege to possess it. Sadly, it's neglected and overlooked. It's mocked every day. It's degraded by many, questioned by everyone. They've burned it, they've tore it up, they've attacked it, they've removed it, and yet it still holds the power to transform your life. It is the light that illuminates the way. It, Jeremiah said that it is a hammer that breaks the heart of stone into pieces. It is a fire that consumes the coldest heart. It is a whisper that stills your soul. It's the same word that created the world. 
It's the same word that calmed the raging sea. It's the same word by which men and women will be judged in the last days. It has yet to be destroyed and it has yet to be removed. It is the holy word of God.